Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Talk some football now. International football to be exact. We're delighted to welcome now super coach. You are for a... uh, Licensed coach, Mr. Chris Millishit, good friend of the station. Chris, great to hear your voice again. Keep well on this Saturday. Yeah, not bad, Daniel. Getting ready for my game this afternoon, but all good. Oh, who you got today? Tell tell us all about it. Uh, we got Auckland United at Keith A Park at three o'clock, so it'll be an interesting start. They're one of the the better teams in the Northern Premier League, and of course, we've we've only just come up from Div One a year ago, so we're still trying to find our feet in the comp properly. It seems like a pretty stacked competition, the Northern Premier League this year. It seems like there's been quite some interesting recruitment. Is it shaping up as quite a tasty tasty league, you would think? Oh, I think it will be a tasty league. Uh, I think uh, Auckland City will do an Auckland City thing, but it depends whether they decide to rest a whole bunch of players after their mammoth sort of off-season going to the Club World Cup, etc. Uh, but I think, you know, there doesn't look to be any sort of weak sides in it this year, and so I think it'll be really tight. How's your group looking? Uh, we're all right. You know, we recruited some talented young players and we're hoping they kick, out, kick into gear and do some, uh, some fun stuff this year. The reality is, you know, all clubs are trying to get better and better and it depends, are you getting better quicker than the other groups? Uh, indeed. All right. So have you got a galvanising speech, you know, before the first game of the, of the season ready to go? Will be there some table thumping? Think- I don't do motivation, mate. If players of this level can't motivate themselves, they shouldn't be in the team. <laughs> it's pretty fair, though, isn't it? So you've just talked yeah. talk X's and O's. They're well prepared. You're ready to go. Well, good luck for that, Chris. And I know it's game day for you, thanks, so buddy. thanks so much for dropping by. International football is on us. The All-Whites are in action. Of course, European scene is flooded with games as they start a new round of qualifying for Euro 2024, I'm just watching my beloved Dutch get hammered by France in a replay. I think it finished 4-0. Uh, that's quite <laughs> quite some statement. I've got to ask you about the ageless wonder that is Luka Modric. How long can this guy go for? He, he has said that he's, he's willing to play into next year for Croatia, but hasn't quite committed to the Euros. Surely not. He can't go again. Um, the way he plays now, he does, it's, it's not huge energy output. It's all round. He's using his mind. He's using his ability, and he's actually becoming a like an orchestrator of what goes on. If you notice that every team he plays for, he's surrounded by runners and hard workers, etc. Um, his his role now is to just get on the ball, get the ball going, and make the team tick. So those types of players uh, have a longer uh, play time. Uh, before shelf time hits, and he's certainly one of them. Uh, you know, and the one who does surprise me, of course, is Latin, who's in his 40s, and he's still performing at the highest level. So you go, well, hats off to him, but he's, he's a different kind of physical beast. But uh, Luka Modric just certainly hasn't lost his touch, hasn't lost his ability to pass and to see things. I think he'll call time when he suddenly can see the passes, but he can no longer execute them because physically his legs just can't do it, and that will be the call for him, I think. Yeah, 37 years young. What a player. He is just something to behold. Mm. Uh, for those listeners who have not seen him play, you are missing out. The, the guy is yeah, just loses right, class Tottenham and time. Yeah, and if I remember right, Tottenham let him go 
if I remember right, Daniel, Tottenham let him go when he was about 29. <laughs> That's a long time ago. That is a long That's... time ago. They could do with them. They could do with them. Imagine how good they might have won something. Antonio well, Conte might, might have not gone on a rant like he did last weekend if that yes. held on to Luka Modric, but I digress because all Tottenham fans yes. are now throwing things at the radio at us, Chris. I'd like to talk in broad brushstrokes about the All-Whites. Um, yes. Hey, it was a competent performance against uh, China in game number one with, again, probably a lack of cut and thrust in the final third. I feel like I'm a broken record. Um, when it's the All-Whites, that's six games and counting and no goals. I could also uh, lob the same thing towards the Football Ferns. With our last 11 senior internationals across men's and women's, all of zero goals, Chris. What's going on? More so well, in the in the male space, you would think, in the men's game. Yeah, yeah. It comes down to a pretty simple uh, fundamental. You need somebody to put a goal up, to put the ball in the back of the net. The reality is in international football, apart from when you're playing what is considered minnows, and let's not get ourselves to the majority of the 70 team, top teams in the world, New Zealand are considered a bit of a minnow. Um, we, we would only create two, maybe three, even four chances in a game, and we tend to either hit them at the keeper or miss target, whereas a team, as you alluded this morning, France probably got six chances and four of them are buried in the back of the net. So the reality is... Uh, it's about the creation of the chances. We're not creating enough chances. And the percentage of finishes for the chances of our strikers is, is quite high. They run, they run um, numbers in the Premier League, for example, and some people get one goal in 12, 14, 18 shots. And so if we're doing that, you've got to be creating 14 to 18 shots a game. Well, none of our international teams have the capability to do that unless they're playing uh, Pacific teams. And that, that inherently is a problem. We don't create enough good chances for people to put away. And then when we do create chances, they're not put away. So it's because there's a lot of huff and puff. But I think without Sapreet Singh uh, or Orion Thomas, there is just nobody with the ability to put incisible, incisive balls in there that get tucked away by strikers. Yeah, we've played six um, sides outside of the Oceania uh, Conference, six um, being Peru, Oman, Costa Rica, Australia twice, and now China. Uh, that's where the string of six games without a goal has come back to. So it's been over a year, over a year since mm-hmm. we've scored against non-Oceania uh, um, t- um, opposition. It, that's got to be alarming. Um, so it's more about the surge oh, yeah, into, the, into the goal, rather. Sorry? I think I've yeah, dropped out. Yeah, it's all right. It's all about, I know what you're going to say. It's all about the delivery, yes. But there's the other side of the coin. New Zealand desperately doesn't want to get beat by big numbers. So there's not the risk factor. I personally, I mean, we played Australia at Eden Park. And we've just an example, we've got our first corner and I'm going, okay. We then knock it short. We lose the ball and they counterattack the entire length of the field. Yet at the time when we were on the pitch, we had Chris Wood, Bill Tuiloma, uh, Winston Reid. We had units that are actually made a living out of finishing corners in the air, and we didn't even put the ball in. We thought we'll just keep the ball, we'll be risk-adverse. And I think that we've got to get to a point in New Zealand now over the next four to eight years where we risk it to score more goals. So if we get beat 3-0, we'll get beat 3-0. But we go out there and we're looking to win 1-2 or 3-0 by just having a changing the mindset um, and having a go at teams, like literally deciding we're going to go score some goals. Because keeping the score down is one thing, uh, but you end up nil-nil at the best scenario. And I personally would like to see a coach in an environment with the All-Whites and all the international teams going, 
flag it, let's have a go. I mean, the age group team, the men's age group teams, which are got a 17s and 20s, they, they pick up wins, they pick up draws, they score goals because those coaches and those teams just go for it. It seems to be when we get to the top level, the All-Whites and uh, the Ferns, we kind of go, oh, well, we'll just keep the score down, you know, we'll protect whatever they're protecting. And I'd like to go the other way and just play without fear and just have a go at these teams and literally try and score goals. Tell them to trust themselves a little bit more and actually tell them not to worry about the downside. That, that you, You're in a position of a coach. You're like, hey, if you get beat three or four today, it's, that's absolutely fine. Go out back yourselves. Well, the reality is you get beat one nil, you've lost. You get beat 20 nil, you've lost. I mean, that's the same scenario. I mean, 20 nil is obviously shocking, but, um, you know, you've lost. You either win or lose, and if you draw, if you do really well. So I, fa- I fail to see... I say to people, people get up in the morning, you've you, you still, you still got your wife, you've still got your family, all the things happen. So it's about worrying about what could happen instead of thinking let's strive to be what we want to be would be a much better environment, I think. What is the ideal front line for New Zealand football, you think here, Chris? Um, I, I look back at the game on Thursday, Mata Barbarossa's Garbutt. Uh, Garbutt and Wood and just the match against Australia. In fact, I think they started both, they didn't they? The big game against Costa Rica was Garbutt, Wood and Grieve. Um, uh, prior to that against Oman, they used Rojas, Wayne, Barbarusis, McCowart. I think you're getting my point here that they've tried a number of combinations. Is there a clear, ideal front three uh, under the system they're currently playing? Well, my question to them would always be the same. What are you trying to do to a score goals? Are you on wingers? Do you want midfielders playing wide? Do you want them cutting in? How do you want to do it? Like all those combinations you talk through, uh, most of them are imbalanced. You know, so I can understand if you want to play two in the middle and one pure winger. I get that. You want to play two up top. You want to play a top and a bottom. Depends what you want to do. But the reality is, I believe from a New Zealand perspective, especially with Chris playing, we need two out and out wingers just whipping balls into them all day with a 10 going into the spare pockets around Woodsy and the far winger tucking in on the back stick. That gives us four in attack, because currently at the moment when you look at the All-Whites, they generally attack with one and two. I think we've got to get at least four attacking and in and around the box and getting opportunities, getting set pieces, getting opportunities in the front third that force the opposition to defend and start to make them a little nervy. So, it be, But we also have got the other side of the coin for the All-Whites. We just don't have enough quality players at that level. No, indeed. The All-Whites coach, um, interim coaches, uh, Darren Baisley, um, Media started talking about he could, you know, earn the job with good performances against China. That's that's not really the case, is it, Chris? He was he wasn't the really preferred option. It's sort of a hiding to nothing for the guy. And this is nothing personal. It seems like they they're looking elsewhere, right? They'll continue to look elsewhere, no matter what he does well, against I, China. He's probably not going to get it. Who, who knows? I mean, you've got to say this entire process has been eye-opening, to say the very least. Uh, things have happened. We've all oh, gone, embarrassing. Really? I, you know, I, and I'll call it as it is, Chris. It's embarrassing. They got played. They got played, and they should have got. They should have gone better, and all the rest. But the reality is, Darren's got the interim gig at the moment. Like anything, once you're once you're in the seat, if you then perform really creditably, and I mean that means beating China. They'll have to beat China on the weekend. Then you've got uh, a voice at the table. But my expectation is, New Zealand football are looking still offshore. But the reality is they're offering really, really small amounts of money for top-class coaches who would just look at that and go, are you kidding? And walk away from it. So you really got to get the best you can 
with what's available, and I'm not sure that the process that they've gone through uh, is a fair, accurate representation. Because if you're offering, I don't know, let's not kid ourselves. John Herdman apparently is on 750 Canada a year, and you're offering 150 to 200 as New Zealand football coach. Nobody in the right mind is going to walk away from that. There isn't a coach at the upper level club football around the world who'd be earning less than 500 grand a year. So you're asking them to walk away for something that isn't, you know, the same. They may walk away 18 months before a World Cup thinking, I've got two years, I'm going to go to a World Cup. So if they said to Darren, and I've got nothing against Darren, he's doing, he's doing the job that he's asked to do, yeah, and he's yeah. done really, really well with under-20s, but if they said, you've got it for the next 18 months, and then we're going to put it to the market and see who's available, and you never know, there could be a Conte who just suddenly goes, look, I wouldn't mind going to a World Cup with a minnow, I'll spend 18 months down there and I'll work it. Then he's likely the money doesn't matter because you've ignited his passion and his, his desire to do something. You said to him, you're going to do it over four years, he'd look at that and go, I don't think so. Yeah, that's an interesting perspective. Uh, of course, we're you know operating under the assumption there we make it to the Football World Cup and Oceania get direct entry. Is that actually guaranteed? Does anyone in Oceania yeah, football figure that out? We, we, we've guaranteed one spot. One spot. It doesn't necessarily mean it will be us because the pro license, I mean, the pro league's coming in and New Zealand football need to get as many New Zealand teams in there. Otherwise, the Pacific Island teams will be playing professional football on a regular basis with professional coaches coaching them and some of them will improve, and it's not a guarantee that we would go get that instant spot. It should be, but it's no guarantee. And then uh, we would be then once again in the playoff for the second spot. So New Zealand football have really got to think to themselves, there is no guarantee we've got to work really hard to achieve that first spot um, and then go to a World Cup. And so there's, there's another big question. Indeed. Chris, it's always great to hear your voice. Uh, I love you verbal jousting with me. Thanks so much, my friend. <laughs> We will catch up again real soon, and good luck to, to your Western Springside today as you kick off the Northern League. Not a problem, but 